Welcome to the Hold for Release podcast. I'm Kevin, a private pilot and an instrument-rated pilot here to talk about the U.S. airline industry. I'll provide my thoughts on aviation news, financial reports, and updates along with some personal flight experience. The Hold for Release podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be an official report for any investment advice, news, or aviation guidelines. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Now let's get into it. All right, welcome back to the Hold for Release podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about why people don't want to be pilots anymore. And there's a lot to get into it. So let's go right ahead. Let's go ahead and just start by talking about the pilot shortage and and what COVID has done to that and, and the future of that as well. So summer 2019 is kind of the, the peak of travel, of air travel especially. People were flying, airplanes were in the air. People had jobs. It was great. It was, it was it was amazing, and companies were growing. Airlines were were great. It was amazing. And then, of course, as everyone know knows, and with COVID in March twenty twenty, everything stopped, and it took a very very long time to get going again. But what does that have to do with the pilot shortage? I mean, because I I can't remember exactly what the st- statistic is, but. If you wanted to be an airline pilot prior to March March 2020, people would say, "Oh man, it's a great time to be in the airline industry." Uh, a certain number of a certain percentage of pilots are going to be retiring in the next ten years, so they're going to need the jobs. Yeah, that's always true. They're always going to need pilots because air travel is something that's not going to go away for a long time, um, and it's growing. It is a growing business. However. I'm curious to see what COVID has done for it in the next five, 10 years. There is going to be a big pilot shortage, but I think that someone's going to come up with something to kind of relieve that, whether that's, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what's going on, what's going to happen. But people, people they, airlines are going to need pilots. They, and they already are hiring pilots. I mean, you know, um, people got furloughed and a lot of my instructors and and people who are a little older than me who are ready to move on to the airlines, they couldn't get jobs because planes weren't flying. And there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing the airlines could do. They just simply weren't hiring. It's a very kind of cyclical uh, industry, meaning people are going to get laid off and furloughed a lot, um, depending on what the scenario is. In 2001, it was 9-11. People were afraid to fly. So a lot of airline pilots got furloughed. In 2008, it was the financial crisis of housing. People just didn't have the money to go fly. And then, of course, 2020, people were scared to fly because they were afraid to get sick um, of this unknown disease or unknown virus. So it's very interesting. And, and it's something as simple as a recession that can cause it um, – and, and certainly, personally, I would hope that it's a recession rather than something traumatic like COVID or 9-11 that would happen. I would rather, much rather have it be something um, economical that we can fix rather than people being scared, scared to fly. But how, how does this affect the future pilots of America? So people don't want to be pilots. And part of this is why that there's such a shortage I was someone who really wanted to be an airline pilot since I was about eight years old. 
I ended up switching. I want to go into the business side of it, but I wanted to be a pilot because I really love to travel. I love to see the world. It's, it, it, you know, you're not sitting at a normal office job. It's, it's something new every day. There's challenges and it's exciting. But as I grew up and matured, um, me personally, I don't want that life of always being on the road, spending 12 to, I don't know, 15 nights out of the month in a hotel room in a in a city where I don't know anyone besides my crew. And personally, family is something that's big. And it, this is all per- very personal stuff, but that's why I didn't want to be an airline pilot. It, it wasn't because it was too hard or to get there is, is whatever. No, I was up for the challenge of getting there. And I believe that I, I could have done it. I really do. I was on track to do it. Um, but I did make the decision to switch and I'm glad I, I am glad. But anyway, so the reason I say that be, is because my feelings or my thoughts on that are very similar to why a lot of people don't want to be an airline pilot nowadays. There's one thing, it's the lifestyle, which is why I didn't want to do it. It's because you're always traveling, you're always on the road, your sleep schedule is always messed up, you get jet lag, your body gets so fatigued. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Sometimes you don't get home on time and that's a big thing in marriage and with children. Um, something that I was really, really thought about ahead of time because I don't want to get into it, be an airline pilot and have a family and think, oh, this isn't for me. That's not what I wanted to do. But anyway, that's that's me. Another thing is of the sure cost of it. It is so expensive to fly and there is absolutely no secret around that. You look at... So a lot of these flight schools, so there's part 141 and part 61 flight schools. Part 141 is associated with a university most, um, most of the time. Um, universities such as Embry-Riddle, Aeronautical University, um, Auburn University, Purdue University, Nor- University of North Dakota. Those kind of schools, they have flight schools. There are, a couple, there are some more across the nation, but they offer flight programs. So basically, it's an FAA-approved school. Um, don't quote me on this because I don't know if this is the exact definition, but the FAA approves these schools where you can have flight training as well as FAA approved courses to um, allow you to get a what's called a restricted ATP. And so rather than being at a part 61 school where you're just doing the flight training and then all their classes are on your own, you don't even really take classes, you are studying on your own, um, but you're getting your licenses with instructors at a part 61 school, you need 1500 hours to get to the airlines and some more requirements. Meanwhile, at a restricted ATP part 141 school, you need a thousand hours. And of course, a couple more um, requirements as well, like night flying, multi-engine time, instrument time, that kind of thing. Um, But part 141 schools are significantly more expensive because you have the college experience, you have classes, you other people are at those schools too and it's just a lot and and because these universities can they will so they will charge you a lot more meanwhile part 61 most of the time you're just paying for the airplane and paying for your flight instructor sometimes you'll pay for fuel fuel a lot of times it comes wet which means fuel comes with it Um, so reason i kind of explain that part one foot and then of course there's military too i don't want to get into military but the reason I explain this, part 141 versus part 61, is because 
you're forced to make it a choice when you are someone who's 17, 16, 17, 18 years old going into college, you say, all right, do I want to go the part 141 way, go to your university, get a college experience, get a college degree, um, or do and spend a lot more money that way? Or do I want to go part 61? It's cheaper, you don't get a college experience, you don't get a degree, you just get your hours, you get your time, it can be done a lot faster, it can be done a lot cheaper. But uh, the trade off is some airlines require you to have a degree. I know Delta Airlines has requires you to have a degree of some kind. I don't know. It might be a degree in like air, some kind of aeronautical aviation field. I don't know about that. But a lot of airlines, some airlines require you to have a degree. Now, for people who have to pay for college on their own or pay for flight expenses on their own, the chances that they become a pilot are just slim because. You, you're going to have to take out a loan or you're going to have to be working while flying. Like it's, it's, it's a hard life. It can be done, but it's, it is really difficult. It's really difficult. I was lucky enough to, um, my parents offered to pay. I was very lucky for that. And I went, uh, part 141 school. And before, of course, when I wanted to be a pilot, I was flight training at a part 141 school, but I also got my private license and my insurance rating at a part 61 school. So I have a little bit of experience with both. So that took a lot to explain, but that's the education side of it. Um, the next thing I want to go into is part 141, how it is kind of a nightmare. And I know it is a, it is really bad at a lot of schools. Some schools are better than others, but you got to think about it this way. These flight schools have anywhere from... The bigger ones, 600, ki- 600 flight students. Actually, I don't know. It's, it, they could have four, anywhere from 400 flight, flight students to 1,000 flight students at this university. Um, and they only have a number of airplanes. A lot of these are Cessna 172s. They only have a number of airplanes, a number of instructors. You got to – <laughs> so you have to fit all of these students – into these airplanes and finish out what's called a TCO, a training course outline, which helps you get your next rating, FAA approved outline, that kind of thing. So you have to follow these TCOs each flight lesson. And keep in mind, these TCOs, these training course outlines, they have a lot of stuff to do in each lesson. And a lot of times you can only have, your flight blocks are only two hours. So you don't have a lot of time, but you have a lot of stuff to do which is a lot, it's very easy for people to fall behind, even if they're doing really well. So you only have, you have a lot of students, you have a limited number of airplanes. These airplanes, they're airplanes. So maintenance is a thing. Airplanes go down for inspections. Airplanes go down because something goes wrong. Um, So that's a thing. Another thing is students can't fly because of weather. And there's a lot to, there's a lot of issues that can happen uh, with COVID. If you had COVID tracing of any kind, you were kicked off the schedule for two weeks, at least at my school. And that was fine. I totally understand it. Totally understand because that was 2020. That was right when like, like we shouldn't have been at school because of COVID. We should not have been there. I don't think in my opinion, no one should have been at school in this, this fall semester of 2020, but that's whatever. So you, there, even with, Healthy airplanes, healthy instructors, healthy students, 
it is hard to get through that training course outline on time because there's so much to do and not a lot of time to do it. And then you want to incorporate weather, maintenance, getting kicked off the schedule for those things, not being being grounded or, or getting having a check ride. It, it, it's just there's so many things that go into it that make it just such a nightmare. Um, I know a lot of my friends who are in the aviation program at my university, they schedule their uh, check ride or stage check like a month in advance, a couple weeks in advance to a month in advance, and they are waiting. They, they're not flying. They're just waiting. And then if they fail that check ride, they got to wait more. <laughs> they got to wait some more time. So there's a lot that goes into it. It takes a ton of time, a ton of money. And the last thing that why, why people don't want to be pilots it's becoming very automated, a lot of autopilot, and it is getting boring for a lot of people. So if you talk to airline pilots, they'll say, yeah, my, my day, I go to a lot of different places, but the flights are all the same. I program the flight, get the flight plan, talk to ATC. The airplane flies itself the entire way there. Um, as soon as we turn on the autopilot on ta- right after takeoff, it flies the entire way. And that's what a lot of people don't want. Yeah, you see some really cool things. You have some really cool approaches. See some cool sunsets, yada, 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 different experiences, but that's it. Another thing too, which I brought up before, it's it's very cyclical. So if there's a recession, like the pilots, especially the junior pilots, you're the first ones to go. You're the first ones to be furloughed, which is very understandable because the airline industry is, is strictly based off seniority. They don't care how good of a pilot you are how bad of a pilot you obviously if you're a very bad pilot like you won't be a pilot but like if you are a decent pilot moderate pilot very good pilot or like amazing as good as can be it doesn't matter it's all of your seniority status of how you move up so the pay can be very good but you're not going to get to those very big airplanes after a really long time because there are a lot of people in front of you and just because you're a good pilot doesn't mean you're going to skip a lot of people like like job performance isn't really that much of a thing um, now obviously when you keep doing things that are not good and do it that over and over you're gonna have talks with your with your airline and you might lose your job that way but that's kind of rare that's that's pretty rare but if you're a good pilot like it's gonna be hard to move up the ladder in seniority and it's gonna be hard to get promotions it can be hard to move to the left seat and move to bigger airplanes that's just the way it is. That was another thing which kind of kicked me out of the industry is I want to prove my worth on my job performance in the business world and and my personal experiences. I, I feel like I'm, I should not be limited to just sitting in the cockpit. A lot of people feel differently. They love, they love flying. They love sitting in the cockpit and they have no problem of moving up in promotions and that kind of thing through their seniority. But it is really hard to gain that seniority, especially when you're starting out. So kind of to, to wrap things up, it's, it's hard to be an airline pilot. It's really hard. I think people don't really see just how difficult it is. Um, a lot of people think that it's just, you know, you click the button and that's it, which is true. But there is a lot more behind it because if something goes wrong, you're there. You got to keep doing that recurrent training, which is no, as they should, as they should. But the seniority thing is big. The cost to get there is is 
huge. It's huge. Um, the lifestyle is just, there are just so many things which really are just such a turn off for me that it just, it just drove me out. And I haven't looked back ever since, but some people love it and they're really excited about it. That's just not me. And I'm sure that's a lot of people as well. So there is a big pilot shortage. It's going to continue to be more and more of an issue because people are going to need to fly, but pilots can't afford flight training or it takes so long to get those hours to get to the airlines. I think that there should be a way to improve on it. Now, I want to say it was in 2010 when the FAA incorporated this new ATP rule, airline transport pilot rule, where you need to have 1,000 hours restricted ATP or 1,500 hours ATP. And that was because of two two incidences. So I'm sure everyone knows a very good job of the uh, flight crew of Captain Sullenberger's uh, flight to the Hudson, flight 1549, U.S. Air Cactus, flight 1549, crashed into the Hudson River um, after a um, engine failure in both engines, and everyone survived. Everyone's, everyone survived. And that was an example of a, a pilot who was prepared, who was ready, who was um, – that, that flight crew was great. So the FAA looked at that and then they looked at another instance where it was in – I think it was in New York where – Buffalo, New York or something like that where pilots they – were, they were new, inexperienced pilots and they got disoriented I believe and, and got caught in IMC and crashed. I think that's it. Don't quote me on it. And so they looked at these – the FAA looked at these two instances and says, well, we've got one scenario where it went really well and one that went really poorly. And so they looked into the flight that went poorly. They said, hey, all right, the, um, the captain or the first officer, I can't remember, had failed two check rides. And that's an issue and don't have that much flight experience. So prior to that new FAA rule, restricted ATP rule, you only needed 250 hours in a commercial – uh, commercial rating or commercial license to be an airline pilot, and by that judgment, I would I have I have well way more than two hundred fifty hours now. I would just need my commercial, which I could do, um, and so I would be qualified as an airline pilot. I don't know if my age would, but I would have the numbers for it, which is scary. I don't feel ready for that. <laughs> so I'm glad that they made this new restricted ATP rule, but. That makes people who don't have the kind of money, it, it puts them in debt. And it's a lot more effort and time, which is time and effort is a good thing when you want to get to a career and a profession. But I feel like 1500 might be a little much for, for a ATP. But that's just me um, because of how much training you have to do. So I don't know, but I'm I'm curious, and that's but in conclusion here that that's why people don't want to be pilots. That's why people don't want to fly for a living, um, and that's why it's such a turnoff for a lot of young kids, uh, young people. Is when it becomes a reality, it is just it's just not something they want to do, and that was the case for me. But anyway, thank you very much for listening today, and I'll see you next time.